This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Saturday. Um, we got a super busy show today, obviously. What a crazy week uh, with, with Donald Trump. It's It's amazing, like... I didn't think uh, is Trump allowed to follow through on all his campaign promises? Like no president ever does. So it's just so odd that he is. So uh, we'll talk obviously all about that, but I want to start here. We are going to do a segment here that could be a fall flat on our face segment. It could be a total disaster, but I think it's worth a shot. This is the clearest example of Trump hysteria that I've ever seen. But here's the key. I'm not just going to play someone screaming, yelling about Trump. We're over that. It's Trump hysteria and it's revealed to her. So the person who's hysterical works through it and realizes she's hysterical. How often does that ever happen? Right? She realizes she's making it all up in her head. And I want to play that process here for you. It's super, super interesting. Have you ever heard of Byron Katie? I have not. I don't know a lot about her. I've been doing a little more research on her. She seems to be a a self-help guru. Uh, I I don't necessarily mean guru as a a pejorative. I, I, I don't know enough about her one way or the other. But she has a process that she has called the work. And it's about identifying stressful thoughts, right? Things that cause you anxiety. So you identify those thoughts and then you ask four questions about each thought. And the four questions are first, is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true? How do you react? And what happens when you believe that thought? And who would you be without that thought? Okay. And then... And I'll explain all this in a second. You'll see it happen in a second. So you ask those four questions about this anxious thought, and then you turn it around. You literally say the opposite of it. And you do that because when you have these anxious thoughts, you're creating a movie in your mind. You're creating this reality in your brain when you have these negative thoughts. So if you literally just turn it around, it totally changes the movie and therefore changes how you act and what you see. So so an example is um, if your thought is, my husband should treat me better. She goes through this whole process. And then at the end, she says, okay, now turn it around. And the turnaround is I should treat my husband better. And, and people realize when they go through this process that they're doing a lot of projecting. Right? So if, if, usually if this process, if someone uh, has a problem with another person, it's because they're projecting their own problems, insecurities, hurt, pain, fears, anxieties onto this other person and blaming them for it or whatever. So anyway, 
that's a lot, but I want to get right to this video. So she hosts these seminars. Again, full disclosure, I really know nothing about this woman other than what I just shared there. She could be a total hack. I have no idea. But her website says that her goal is to help people embrace reality. And that's what we're all about here. Reality. So whether she's a hack or not, I don't know. But I think this clip has a lot of truth to it. And and I wish she could do this with every woman who went to the Women's March last weekend. So here it is. This is uh, Byron Kelly. There's about 200 people in the room, maybe. Uh, But this scene, it's her and then another woman. And they're each sitting in these big comfy chairs. And the woman went through this worksheet where she wrote down her biggest fears. Now, stick with me here. You have to hear the end of this. You have to have to hear the end of this. You have to hear her process. This is awesome. So these are her fears. This is the first step of the process. Put your fears down on paper. Let's let's hear what you've written. I am frightened of Donald Trump because he could create concentration camps. He could start a nuclear war. You're not afraid of him because he could. When you're writing these worksheets, you know, he could. That doesn't... I'm afraid he will. Yeah, I'm afraid he will. I'm afraid he will start a nuclear war. I'm afraid he will ruin the environment for my son and future generations. I want Donald Trump to not be president, to disappear, to not be on the way to ruining our country, or at least to get a better, kinder set of cabinet members. Donald Trump shouldn't be president, should step down and offer the space to Hillary Clinton (laughs) or even another Republican candidate, shouldn't say and do racist, sexist, ableist, homophobic, and xenophobic things. Sort of a swear word coming up here if there's kids in the car. I need Donald Trump to disappear, step aside, die. Or wake the F up. (laughs) Donald Trump and his supporters are possibly the bringers of internment camps, concentration camps, or even Armageddon. Okay. So those are this woman's fears about Donald Trump. And that pretty much sums up all the anti-Trump hysteria that I've heard, right, embodied in this one woman. And she articulated it very nicely on this piece of paper. Here are my fears about Donald Trump. All right. So now, so that's step one. Now let's go through the process, right? Let's ask these, these questions. The first question, is it true? So, so she focuses on the concentration camp part first. Donald Trump's going to put us in concentration camps. Is that true? Here it is. So Donald Trump is going to create concentration camps. Is it true? So several of you, I heard that, you know, internment camps. I, I heard several of you. When we were meditating out loud yesterday, he's going to um, create concentration camps. So can you absolutely know that it's true he's going to create concentration camps? No. no. Okay, can anyone here absolutely know that that's what he's going to do? Okay, so just feel that for a moment. It's as though we think if we don't fear it, we can't do anything about it to stop it. Listen to that last line there. That's huge. It's as if, if we don't fear it, then it's like you can't do anything to stop it. So there's this drive by people to fear 
to make up in their mind, to create this movie in their brain and fear the absolute worst because that's the only way they'll stop it from happening. Are you with me? But they skipped over the most important part. Will this happen? No, it won't. So in reality, there's nothing to stop from happening. There's nothing to fear, but they have to make it up. Does that make sense? So again, she says, it's as if, if we don't fear it, then we can't do anything to stop it. So people are like, oh my gosh, there's going to be concentration camps. I need to think this so that we can stop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not going to happen. So you're just driving yourself crazy. So this is what she does. She goes through this process and she asks everyone in the room to close their eyes and imagine these concentration camps that Donald Trump is going to put us in. Really, like, honestly, close your eyes. Imagine what what are these concentration camps going to look like? What's it going to, how's this going to work? And she does that for a minute or so. And then she asks people to describe it, describe what they saw. And the deal is everyone thinks of past images. So all the future images of what Donald Trump's internment camps are going to look like are all past images. They're all images of Nazi or Japanese concentration camps. So we take those previous things and we carry them forward. They're borrowed images of the past. And we just make it up. And, 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 and like borrowed as in we weren't there. Like no one was there for that. So you make it up. Like everyone's totally, totally, completely making it up. What they think it looked like, I mean, it's just based on some pictures maybe you've seen in some history books, or maybe a documentary or something, and you take that and you move it forward and you apply that to what Donald Trump is going to do. You are making it up. One more clip. So you're witnessing all the evil in the world. Is it in Trump or is it in you? I will create concentration camps. Yeah, you just did. Mm. There's the proof on paper. Yeah. And notice how much time you spend in that, that movie. Creating concentration camps, creating concentration camps. As though if it did happen, that's not enough. You have to create it now, create it now. Isn't that interesting? So, I mean, this, I know she sounds like, like goofy, but go with this. So you have to turn around. So the turnaround is uh, Donald Trump's going to concentra- create concentration camps. The turnaround is, well, Donald Trump is not going to create concentration camps, which is true. Or I'm going to create concentration camps. And she's like, yeah, you just did. In your brain. You made up this fear. You totally made it up. And people think it so much. They, 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 people think they have to think it. They think that they have to fear it until it comes true. So she goes through this with, with each and every fear that this woman has. Right, The nuclear war part. Right? The woman says she fears a nuclear war because she saw a movie a long time ago about a nuclear war. And, and she remembers how horrible the images were. So she's taken that fear and she's imposed it on Trump. So in her head, she's essentially created a nuclear war in this movie in her brain and then fears it in real life to the point where it's really affecting her actual life. So she's made up a movie in her head and then reacts to that in real life. That's a hallucination. I'll skip ahead here. She she goes through this uh, whole process. And again, is it true? Is it true? And this woman, she realizes none of them are. None of her fears are true. So 25 minutes later, it's a half hour video, 25 minutes later, she has an epiphany and she actually, and the lady leading this does not instruct her to do this. She has an epiphany and this woman rips up the paper that she wrote all the fears down on. She rips it up and she realizes how foolish all these fears were. Think about it. This is someone who, and I want to play one more clip when we get back, where she's like, 
I, I stay, I can't sleep. I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm crying about Donald Trump. I can't believe the people around me. I hate the people around me. How could they do this? What country am I living in? He's going to kill everyone. He's going to put everyone in concentration camps. We're going to have a nuclear war. I mean, she's like the worst of the worst when it comes to the fear and hysteria. And 25 minutes into just sitting down and saying, is this true? She realizes no, and then rips it up. Now, I want to take a break here. I don't want to cut the conclusion to this short. This conclusion is everything. This conclusion is everything. Never forget what we're going to do next and apply it to everything over the next four years that you see. It applies to everything. Never forget this conclusion. I'll share it next. 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Mike Slater. All right, let's get back to this. We'll play the conclusion here. We're playing some clips from um, Byron Katie. She's a self-help guru. Uh, I should just say this is, again, not an endorsement of her. I really don't know if she's legit or not. I know nothing about her. This is my first interaction with her. But she had this seminar. I guess she hosts these seminars. There's maybe 200 people in the audience. And she has everyone write down their biggest fears. And this woman goes up on the stage and does a little one-on-one with Byron Katie. And they're going through this process that she has developed. And the first question is, is they they take their fears and one by one they ask, she asks, is this true? Now, this woman's fears were all the classic Trump fears. We don't have time to play it again, but it's all, um, and she's very calm about it. I mean, she's just reading from her paper that she wrote her fears down on. He's going to send us to concentration camps. He's going to start a nuclear war, bigotry, blah, 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 everything, right? So she says that these fears are so all-encompassing in her life that she could barely live her life. I'll play the conclusion of this process in a second, but um, just one more example of the process that this woman went through. Uh, This is the final fear she wrote down. She's 20 minutes into the process, right? So she wrote down a bunch of fears, one by one, one by one, one, but she went bump, 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 broke down each and every single one. This is the final fear. So she's 20 minutes into the process. I think she's probably went through six different fears by this point. And you can see after each one, after each one gets deconstructed, you can see her body language start to crumble, right? She, she built up this fear skyscraper about Donald Trump. And one by one, she's taken out a different brick and a brick and a brick. And the whole thing is starting to fall down. And this happens. 1304. I need Trump to disappear, step aside, die, or wake the F up. Okay. So if he did all those things, would you be happy? That completely changed. Would you be happy? Were you happy before you even ran? 
Happier. Oh, really? It seems like it. Like comparing with what moment? Well, like now I, well, sometimes I cry because of this. I wake mm -hmm. up in the night. Mm -hmm. Have you ever cried and... Yeah, but for other reasons, yeah, yeah. yeah. But not because of the president. <laughs> yeah, okay. So this woman is projecting all of her everything on Trump. All of her sadness, her depression, her hurt, loneliness, whatever it is, she's projecting it all on Trump. She thinks Trump is the source of her pain, but she's had pain before, and now she's just blaming it on Trump, and she's blaming it on our racist country and all the rest. This Trump hysteria is all made up. People are truly taking all their hurt and projecting it on him and projecting it on you. Like, you're the problem. And here's this woman finally realizing, no, I'm making this up. All right, I want to get to the ending here. This is the grand conclusion. And this explains so many people on the left today. Here it is. I once had a, a counselor who said to me, you're a second generation war victim. And I loved that. Like someone understands. But, you know, then there's victims or violent people. And that whole thing of like grabbing onto that identity wanting to be understood as someone who had these things. Who suffers them. legitimately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's legitimate suffering. That's yeah. the It's like story. I suffer legitimately and, let's see, I'm still suffering. <laughs> suffering is suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's been this crazy story, like if people got it, if they understood my suffering, then it, I'd be better. Then I'd stop suffering. This is all bull She's ripping it up right now, ripping up the paper with all her fears. The Trump sign. <laughs> I'm good, Katie. You, you, you know, sweetheart, you have just made America great again. All right, can we, can we play that last part one more time? There's this one sentence here, which is so important. Yeah. Yeah, there's been this crazy story, like if people got it, if they understood my suffering, then it, I'd be better. Then I'd stop suffering. All right, stop there. So, and that's when she realizes this is all nonsense. So this woman has this desire to be a victim. She wants so badly to be someone who suffers legitimately. Did you hear that? She said she wants to have the identity of someone who suffers legitimately. But she hasn't suffered legitimately. I mean, we've all had bad things happen in her life. But I mean, she's talking like, like she's a Holocaust victim or something. She wants to be a victim so badly, she put her identity into that. And she wants, because she, she now thinks of herself as a victim, she wants for people to validate her victimhood. She, she said she wants victimhood to be her story. Did you catch her say that? She said, I want, my, I want victimhood to be my story. She wants people to understand her suffering. And then once people understand it, then she'll stop suffering. 
But she realized she had to go through this process to realize she's not suffering. All of her fears that she wrote down, they're all BS. It's all nonsense. She made it all up. How many people today want to be victims? We've said for years now that there's a, a victim hierarchy in a way where in the past, being able to overcome was seen as the pinnacle of strength, right? You, you want to be someone who's strong and capable and, and admired for overcoming challenges. But today it's flipped. Today, not even, you don't even have to be an actual victim to be put in high regard, right? Like, so, so people fake victimhood. They make it up. They imagine victimhood so that they can cash in on the currency of victimhood. And then when you don't validate it, you're the bad person. And people make up because they want to be a victim so bad, they just make up all these fears. And they've been projecting all this stuff on Trump and on you. Super interesting. All right, what do you think? 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. And also uh, Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. that we need to watch in the coming days here. We'll start with, eh, let's start with the press. So Glenn Reynolds framed this very nicely. Big picture, what Trump is changing are a a bunch of post-World War II uh, institutional arrangements. So Trump is looking at how our, our government works and and highlighting the things that just don't make sense anymore. And this is a good process for all of us to do in our lives. <laughs> uh, there's so many things we do in our daily lives and in our home and at our work that made sense at one point in time, but they just don't make sense anymore. Actually, our education system is a good example. Who's the uh, Sir, what's his name? Uh, sir, hold on. Sir Ken Robinson. Ken Robinson has the best TED Talks about education. There's like three of them. Watch them all. They're amazing. And his argument is that education, the public education system, made sense at a point in time. right? When it was developed 150 years ago, it made perfect sense for what it was trying to do and the era it existed in. It just doesn't make any sense anymore right now. And that's why we always ask on this show, when we reevaluate something, if you built this thing from scratch... Would it look like this? And you could pick that with anything in the government. If you built, whatever, if you, if you started the, the Pentagon from, strat, from scratch, would it look like this? Would the bureaucracy look like this? Would the process look like this? No, you would never create, let's go back to education. If you wanted to build the education system from scratch, you would never create it to look like this. This makes no sense at all the way it looks. But we do it like this just because it's the way it's always been done. And there's so many things in our lives, not just politics, but just in our lives that we do because it's just the way it's always been done. So Trump is coming in in our government and saying, well, no, we're not going to do it like that anymore. And the special status of the press is one of those things. 
that just doesn't make sense anymore. They got special status because they were seen as powerful. The media, the media, the press, newspapers, TV, they were seen as powerful and responsible. But both of those assumptions are no longer true. They're no longer powerful. If they were, Trump wanted to be president. They're also no longer the only gatekeepers. People can find the truth by walking through other gates. There used to be one gate in town. That's when they were powerful. But now there's infinite numbers of gates. Technology has torn down the wall. There are no more gates, actually. It's just, you just go, find the truth yourself. So that's number one. Like they're, they're no longer powerful. But also, they're no longer responsible. How about the, uh, the, the Time Magazine reporter tweeting out, I think the day after the inauguration, maybe it was inauguration day, tweeting out that Trump got rid of the Martin Luther King Jr. bust in the White House. Okay, tweets it right out. Oh, the bust is gone. In reality, there was a cameraman standing in front of it. So he just couldn't see it. What the heck is that? What kind of reporting is that? It's a Time Magazine reporter. So you tell me the guy, he looks up, Zeke Miller, he looks up across the room where the MLK bust used to be, sees a, I don't even know, like, obviously the cameraman is standing in front of it. Wouldn't you assess? Like, oh, the camera guy's probably standing in front of it. But he looks at it, he doesn't see it. And then just sends out a tweet, the MLK Jr. bust is gone. And then the camera guy, like, steps to the side and he's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> what is that? What kind of reporting? That's Time Magazine. So they're not responsible. Like, Time Magazine is one of those, the old you know, institutional sources. They're not responsible. What is that? What kind of reporting is that? And it just proves that they're just looking for things to get them on, right? All oh, the MLK bust isn't there. That means he's racist. Got to tweet it out. So they're no longer powerful because of technological changes and they're no longer responsible. So they shouldn't have any more insider status and Trump is eliminating it. It's awesome. Imagine the anxiety it would cause. Imagine if you were in this elite group, right? The White House press corps. And Trump tells you that he's going to move the press room to a different room that's four times the size so that it can fit more people. Imagine if you were uh, the White House correspondent of the New York Times and he told you that he was going to do that. You'd be all, oh, but, 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 but it's an elite club. I don't want any more people here. I don't want any bloggers here. I don't want any talk radio goons here. This is our club. So understandably, there's a lot of anxiety from the old media. And because of that, because the press is anxious about their future, they're going to lash out even more. Example of that is the goofiness about how many people went to the inauguration. First of all, who cares? No one. No one cares. Now, if you really want to to know why fewer people went to Trump's inauguration in person, it's very simple. Everyone coming up with these different reasons. No, no, no. Here's why. Everyone in Washington, D.C. voted for Barack Obama. So when the inauguration was going on in 2008, everyone in Washington, D.C. went. Today, no one in Washington, D.C. or in a hundred mile radius from Washington, D.C. voted for Donald Trump. So no one in Washington, D.C. went to the inauguration. So everyone who was there had to travel great distances to get there. So that's why there were fewer people. But 
third point, who cares? So Trump, because he's been playing the media like a fiddle for a year and a half, prods the media. He goads them. I love it. He goads them into talking about petty things like this. He throws them this bait to make them do things and the pre- and talk about things. And the press jumps on They take that bait because they think it makes Trump look petty. They think it makes Trump look impulsive. They think it makes Trump look dumb. They think it makes Trump look like he lacks self-control. But when they take the bait, it makes the media look dumb and impulsive and lacking self-control and petty. It's amazing. Trump throws out this, this whatever is common about the number of people at the inauguration and the, the press just goes with it. Jump on top of it and they won't shut up about it. And the American people, no one cares. But the more they talk about it, the less trust anyone has in them. Trump is playing them like a fiddle. So I got a little tip to the press like they deserve it. The way to be seen as more trustworthy is to double down, excuse me, is not to double down on being anti-Trump. The appropriate counter move is to be more trustworthy. (laughs) The only way you have to be more neutral. Not, I'm not saying soft on Trump by any stretch of the imagination. Honest, neutral, fair. Get back to actual reporting. Leave the punditry to the pundits and to the American people. You report. That's the only way you'll ever be trusted again. And you undermine your own credibility with every gotcha story. And Trump may set him up for you on the T, but that doesn't mean you got to hit him. Every single article you write about something that doesn't matter in the least, it just hurts your own credibility. And if you keep doing it like this, there's going to be a story that comes along that will actually do damage to Trump, but no one's going to believe it. It's just going to be more dishonest media. And you are causing that. You are setting that up every day when you talk about how busts of Martin Luther King Jr. have been removed and when you talk about crowd size. So that's the first thing to keep in mind as we move forward here. Will the press ever decide to be more objective? It's the only way they're ever going to survive. If they ever, if the big media, like you know, Washington Post, Washington Times, New York Times, ABC, NBC, CBS, right? If they ever want to be powerful again, they need to first be responsible again. That's point one. Second thing to watch in the next couple of days here. Trump and Congress and their relationship. This, this is going to be very intriguing. Example, Trump is talking a lot about spending cuts. Now, there's two types of spending. First, you have mandatory, and then you have discretionary. Two types of federal spending, mandatory and discretionary. Mandatory spending is Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, interest on the debt. It's mandatory spending. Entitlements. Discretionary spending is everything else. So Department of Education, whatever. Mandatory spending is about 70% of the budget. Trump is deciding to go after discretionary spending first, the 30% of the budget. Now, there's two things that, come, that happen with this. First of all, most of the money, obviously, is spent on mandatory spending. So you're going to get a lot of Republicans who are going to come out and say, no, don't cut discretionary. You got to cut mandatory spending. Go where the money is. Mandatory spending, mandatory spending. Don't worry about discretionary. Go to mandatory spending. Got to go after entitlements, entitlements, entitlements. Yes, you do. But 30% of, I think, a $4 trillion federal budget is still a lot of money. And it's low-hanging fruit. Just because there's more money in the mandatory box doesn't mean that you have to cut the mandatory first. 
I say you cut the low-hanging fruit first, and the low-hanging fruit is in the discretionary box. Cut that, then move on to the entitlements and the mandatory spending. But you're going to get a lot of Republicans coming out and being like, don't cut discretionary, you got to cut the mandatory. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. First things first. That's what they don't get. Here's the second point, though, and this is what's going to be so fascinating to see if Trump can do this. Everyone's got their pet projects. Everyone's got their pet projects. This is how the government gets so big in the first place. Two things I've heard so far proposed that are going to be cut. One is a federal program that subsidizes airplane service to tiny airports that almost no one goes to. And we've covered this before, but there's like there's air like little like a little airport in Montana or something. And normally a flight would be two thousand dollars to go, but the federal government subsidizes it and makes it a hundred bucks. The senator for Alaska said that this would shut down rural Alaska, and she said she's going to fight tooth and nail to make sure it never it, it doesn't get cut. So that's this silly program is going to stay. Another idea is closing the Legal Services Corporation. $400 million. It's money for civil uh, legal aid to low-income people. So the Congressional Budget Office a couple years ago said it's totally useless and needs to go. But you know, if Trump proposes cutting the Legal Services Corporation, the Congressional Black Caucus and the media is going to talk about how we're imprisoning black people and blah, 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 blah. They're going to make it a big race thing. And how Trump is putting black people in internment camps or so much such hysteria. And everyone's going to freak out and be like, no, we can't cut the legal services corporation. And no one even going to even know what it does. But we can't cut it. We got to keep it. So that's not going to get cut either. So these are the first two proposals I've heard. And it looks like both of them may be dead ends in Congress. Or I should say both of them have always been dead ends in Congress. I don't know how Trump's going to be able to maneuver that. And if you can't cut those two programs, the legal services corporation, which the Congressional Budget Office says is useless. And if you can't cut this rural airport program or whatever, if you can't cut those two things. How are you going to be able to cut anything else? Everything is so ingrained and entrenched. We know how he can play the media like a fiddle. We'll see if he can uh, negotiate with Congress well. I can't wait to see how he gets it done. All right, what do you think? one 3393 one 3393 And also uh, Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. We'll continue in a moment on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater is on. Hello, Slater Crusaders. Happy Saturday. Thank you for being here. I only got about three minutes here. I want to talk about sanctuary cities. I want to define that term. I know you've heard it a million times. You've said it a million times. But I want to make sure we have a very firm grasp of what it is. We say on the show all the time that if you uh, ever get in a conversation with a progressive, ask them to define their terms. Right? They use a buzzword, a progressive buzzword, or something that sounds strange. Ask them what they mean by that exactly. Most of the time they can't. Now, if someone does that to us, we got to be able to define a sanctuary city. So real quick, I'll run through the process. It'll take about two minutes. Here's how it works. A police officer arrests someone for something. Let's say drunk driving. They are brought to a local county jail, usually run by the sheriff's department. 
they get their fingerprints, send the fingerprints off to the FBI. FBI sends it off to ICE, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. ICE then asks for or submits a detainer request. That is ICE asking the jail to hold the inmate, the person, for another 48 hours so that they can check that person's immigration status. And then if they're illegal, they can get a warrant and then they can begin the deportation proceedings. Now, this is where the split happens. If you are not a sanctuary city, then the sheriff, the county jail says, okay, we'll hold the person for a day because they were drinking and driving, right? We would otherwise release them after 24 hours. But because you offered a, or you asked for a detainer request, okay, we'll keep them for another two days on top of that while you figure out if they're an illegal immigrant or not. That's how a normal city works. A sanctuary city says, no, we're not going to hold them for another 48 hours. We're going to hold them for as long as uh, we were going to because of whatever crime they originally committed, drunk driving, disorderly conduct, whatever. But we're not going to hold them for another 48 hours just because you want us to. That's a sanctuary city. Now, why don't they? Well, they say it violates the Fourth Amendment. Fourth Amendment says you can't be held against your will uh, without uh, probable cause and due process, right? And just because you might be an illegal immigrant is not reason enough to stay in jail for another 48 hours. That's a sanctuary city. That's the argument, which is why some some progressives now, instead of saying I'm a sanctuary city, they say we're a Fourth Amendment city. What I think Trump needs to do, because to be honest, they actually do have a point about that. What I think Trump needs to do is to speed up the ICE process of figuring out whether or not someone is an illegal immigrant. They need to speed up the warrant process. They need to speed up the deportation proceedings, deportation proceedings, so that it doesn't require a 48-hour detainer request. It doesn't require another 48-hour hold. This has to be an essential step of Trump's immigration plan. one 3393 Mike Slater Show The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network.